0: the Boys uh. Let's go. Let's go. Boys, we get on up. Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today we are on current events, a little bit of news and notes action. V, we should talk about the NFL playoffs cuz this weekend was nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean it was we had some uh some some crazy games throughout the playoffs actually. Um, some competitive games some some unbelievable comebacks, some crazy storylines uh as well and I think that's why the n f l is remains the most popular sport uh in America is like I don't think in in this these small windows of time uh sixteen seventeen game season now and a few playoff games that you see as much uh as drama as many storylines as much chaos as you see um in an <laughs> nfl season um you know obviously um and it's also what causes a lot of us to kind of overlook some of the concerns about the sport that exists including cte um <laughs> when you see how exciting both college football and nfl uh the nfl is in addition to like the unique characters and personality types that that you see develop and you you really do see what the difference, what makes the difference between a winner and a loser, um, in real time.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think like one of the standouts was uh, the Bengals. To me, I think their performance was dominant. I didn't expect the Bills to get get beat um, the way they got beat at home. They have. I don't think they have lost. I hear the stat. I don't know if I buy this stat, but I'll repeat it they They kept saying in the broadcast that they've never lost a home playoff game. Maybe it's because they've been to so few playoff games except for the last like two years, right? But bro, like what? like it they're just gonna lose at home in their element in the snow, and I mean, like it looked like their offense couldn't couldn't even move the ball against the Bengals D. So question I have for you is is the Bengals D really that good? Or, you know, was it an off day? Like, what was your vibe watching that game?
1: I think the, the Bengals' defense is really good. Um, they've been pretty good statistically. They also have three standout Buckeyes and Sam Hubbard. Yeah, they do. Bomb Bell and Eli Apple, which helps the cause. Um, I know Eli and Vaughn very well, and those guys are some of the hardest-working, um, most intelligent football players that are out there. They study film like... No other. Um, So they definitely do the work, right? And I think that's what the Cincinnati Bengals team has been about the last two years is doing the work. Um, And then in addition to that, I think there's, um, they've kind of had this underdog moniker, like, and they keep getting the NFL keeps aiding them in that, right? Like, they were already selling tickets for a neutral site uh, AFC championship game between the Chiefs. And the bills before this game even had happened, and that's the that type of bulletin board material for Joe Burrow is not what you want to do, but I think that's what stands out to me more than anything when you look at the personality type that it takes to be a strong leader because it's obviously not just about his talent and his performance on the field when you're playing a team sport in football. Being a leader of a team has a lot more to do with the intangibles, and I think The Bengals, at a time when the the team had very little hope, they brought in a quarterback with not just a a specific type of skill set that's astronomical, but a specific type of leadership skill set that was exactly what was needed for a franchise that had been, you know, everyone has been calling them the Bungles. And Mm -hmm. now you're looking at, you draft a quarterback, and he's not the only reason they got Jamar Chase. They have a strong running game. They have a strong defense. But it's those leadership skills. The ability to take a situation and say, it's it's me and my 22 guys and, versus that other team and those 22 guys. And what you're seeing is kind of in the, in the difference between what you're seeing, because Josh Allen is a great quarterback in his own right, right? But Joe Burrow has kind of developed this kind of Tom Brady-like element of performing when it matters the most that just makes him stand out. Um, amongst these young quarterbacks at a different level um, than any of the other quarterbacks that are kind of his peers
0: yeah I I agree completely he's got just a composure and energy he moves with that I, I, I don't know I don't know anyone else who has that kind of swag right now um the other thing that was interesting to me is is seeing the fact that um, the Jaguars even made it to this round of the playoffs. Wasn't last year the urban year where they were like one win or zero wins? Yeah, they went from having the worst record in the NFL to being a
1: playoff team, and that that goes to show you what happens. You know, when it takes a different type of coach to lead an NFL team than it does a college team, right? Um, you have you're dealing with professionals and and men not young kids who are still developing and history shows that college coaches have a lot of trouble translating this doesn't it's not a knock against urban because i do think he is one of the best college football coaches that we've seen uh he just wasn't built for the nfl and what um the jaguars did is go in the opposite direction Hired Doug Peterson, who you who, who everyone knows from winning the Super Bowl in Philadelphia. And before that, being an Andy Reid understudy um, with the Kansas City Chiefs, really focusing on the development of their star quarterback and their offense allowed them to thrive in a division that was pretty bad. They kind of backed their way in at nine and eight, but they did get in. And it shows you the difference in again, it goes back to the theme of our conversation. The type of leadership style that's required to lead a a team in the NFL um, is very important because the personnel hasn't changed that significantly from last year to this year. It's just yeah. all the intangibles. It's also Trevor Lawrence um, kind of having a lot of those variables as a player as well, being a winner. Um, unfortunately, his Saturday win streak ended on on this past Saturday, uh, losing to. The Kansas City Chiefs, um, which we, again, have to highlight, again, another unbelievable quarterback in performance in Patrick Mahomes. Um, dude suffered a high ankle sprain. Um, high ankle sprains usually get people to leave. They don't play for four to six weeks in the NFL yeah. once you have a high ankle sprain. He missed a drive. Um, Chad Henney came in and led an unbelievable 98 yard drive, um, as well, but just their ability, the Kansas city chiefs ability, um, and Patrick Mahomes ability to stay on the field and lead his team to victory. Shout out to Travis Kelsey, Ohio zone, Travis Kelsey, uh, as well for, um, his unbelievable record breaking 14 catch performance, the most by a tight end in playoff history setting up this rivalry what more could you ask for on the afc side we'll get to the nfc in a second then patrick mahomes versus joe burrow again to decide who's going to go to the super bowl
0: i could watch that game every year bro like every year yeah. give, me, give me these two quarterbacks matching up you know throw josh allen yeah. in every now and then you know what i mean because it's yeah, i like, mean
1: that josh yeah that josh allen uh that josh allen uh patrick mahomes game last year was pretty crazy as well. Yeah. Um, but but that's the AFC side. I think that the, it was it was a three team race the whole season between Buffalo, Cincinnati, and, uh, and 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 Kansas City. Baltimore unfortunately suffered the loss of Lamar Jackson, um, which kind of hurt their chances. So I think,
0: bro. Literally also, it- if Baltimore extended Lamar. He, he, they'd be playing right now. He'd be playing right now. Like, Let's not dance around that. You know what I'm saying? Like, This is all on Baltimore, sowing their own karmic seeds at the beginning of the season, not extending the, probably the best quarterback bar one in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, and, I, and it frustrates the hell out of me hearing people criticize Lamar Jackson um, for not playing but the reality is this was all in the organization's control.
0: And, and you um, know what he's actually playing? That's uh, that's what I think people don't understand. He's playing the game of the NFL. He's not playing yeah, on the field. That, he's perfectly playing the game.
1: Th- this is what they do to players all the time. When you can't perform to the level, they'll cut you, you know, yeah. or they'll trade you or they won't extend you, you know. But what happened here that was unique was Everyone wants to blame Lamar Jackson. Oh, he's representing himself. Oh, he's he didn't do this. Oh, he should play. And you know, one of the best analyses I saw was from Robert Griffin, who was kind of on the same trajectory as Lamar Jackson. Suffered a similar sprain, wore a brace, and played through it for his team. Shanahan, you know, Mike Shanahan was playing him. Suffered a, 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 a gruesome injury as a result of his knee being compromised and his career was never the same. He never received that second contract, never performed. So these coaches and these people, these these talking heads that just like to draw, draw controversy, even former players saying, heard Michael Vick saying just brace it and play. Like no. That's not the conversation. Not when you here. don't
0: have a contract guaranteed. <laughs> you
1: know, what is the
0: purpose?
1: What what is the purpose? And there is a real risk to re-entering.
0: The guy if was the limping. Ravens were serious about winning. They would have signed him to an extension, and they would yep. have put a little bit more talent around him too. So I think you're right. It did sow the karmic seeds, and it played out in
1: in how the team performed in the playoffs. And we'll see what happens in the off season if they they let him walk or if he resigns resigns with the Ravens. But um, if
0: they uh, if they let him walk, bro, like I have a sense that it could be if Tua's done, he's in Miami. And yeah, the other option that I was thinking of is one of the L.A. teams just because they seem to be really making a strong push to get more names over here
1: yeah i mean the tough thing is the la team you know, herbert is locked in in san diego um, and stafford is locked in with the rams but they could cut stafford but it's a big contract hit i do see him as as going you know there's a lot of teams that would welcome him like uh, carolina carolina, carolina as a team.
0: Would, would love him can yeah, carolina, carolina
1: handle him <laughs> carolina new new orleans there are some good teams solid yeah. teams that are that are a quarterback away even the houston texans he could be a great addition there i mean he's got he's got a lot of options and a ton of teams that would be willing to pay him we'll see if they franchise him but wanted to you know s- shift over to the nfc side here um we saw some interesting games this weekend again the contrast um We'll start with the uh, with the Niners Cowboys. You know the storyline is America's team. The marketing branding of America's team. You have you know superstar quarterback in Dak Prescott, um, kind of stars all over the field for the Cowboys. Same thing with the with the Forty ers But this really ended up being a defensive battle um, more than it was about either team's offense. Um, you know, and it it ended up playing out in the best defense in the NFL's favor. Dallas had a very strong defense, their secondary wasn't as strong, and I think that's really what the difference was in this game. But you also see kind of this Niners thing happening with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the NFL draft, getting his opportunity, playing within the system. And leading a team to the NFC championship game, it just goes to show you how much of this is system and the team around you, and then I have obviously getting the opportunity to succeed. Um, and it was a pretty stark contract. So you have this seventh round QB leading his team to victory against you know a superstar, you know top 10 QB in the NFL, uh, despite going against that his team coming out and coming out with the win.
0: Yeah, the 49ers clearly have one of the best systems in the NFL. If they had a decent, even decent medical staff and didn't have this ridiculous injury rate, they would be probably in the Super Bowl every year. Like, yeah. What why are they always at their third-string QB when we get to this point in the season? Like, what's happening, you know, in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, and it seems it seems like they the, the ability to solve is there too. It's not like Northern California has a terrible healthcare system, you know. <laughs> all these billionaires are pouring tons of money into it. I'm sure they could get one of them to like hire all the top sports medicine people in the country and and have them lead the pack at the 49ers. But again, this goes back to kind of what we were saying, the Lamar Jackson situation. With the NFL, how much do the players, how much do these teams actually care about player health? Because um, they could be definitely addressing it. and San Francisco needs to look at that because it's affecting and impacting their performance on the field. Yeah. Now, now the other game was a, a pretty sound blowout um, between the Eagles and the Giants. I think everyone has had the the Eagles have been the best team in the NFL all season. Yeah. Um, You know, Jalen Hurts got hurt. That obviously hurt them toward the end of the season. They retained the number one seat, But what stands out about me to that team, it's the same thing as Joe Burrow. The difference that Jalen Hurts makes as a leader on that team, like when you listen to some of the clips from his halftime speeches, his demeanor, you know, and also the adversity he faced as kind of being looked at as like, he was drafted in the third round. People said that he couldn't be an NFL quarterback. He was just a runner. I remember there was a bit tinge of racism existing too when, when they got rid of Carson Wentz. A lot of football fans in general were saying, this Jalen Hurts guy is just a
0: running quarterback. He's not. He even got replaced, remember, in college by Tua and Tua. you know had his yeah. whole situation. So he's, he's, he's been he, overlooked his whole career.
1: Yeah, and now he's, he's looking at his performance. He's the leading MVP candidate in the NFL. It's like using that fuel... And kind of keeping your keeping your level headedness and not going too far up and down is what stands out about me. It always seems like he's very very level and very calm, not too excitable and now he's got you know he's taken all that adversity um and put his team in the n f c championship and put himself in a position. I think the Eagles are gonna definitely pay him unlike <laughs> the Ravens did with Lamar
0: Jackson, yeah, absolutely I think. Jalen Hurts has shown that there's there's this composure that he brings to the table. And, like, I, I love how he does his interviews. He's so chill. Yeah. He's so confident. He says it how it is. He doesn't get inflammatory. He doesn't get angry. Just answers questions, keeps a business. I mean, he's handling the quarterback position so well. And, you know, I mean, Philly's been a good team. You know what I'm saying? Like, we... Like we knew when they won the Super Bowl a few years back that that wasn't the best iteration of the Eagles. Yeah. Even when that happened, right? Because that was with Foles, right, at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So now, with, and that's a yeah.
1: Yep. And that's the clear difference. It's the it's almost the same team, but you know the the thing with Carson Wentz is he's had multiple opportunities. It's not a skill skill level comparison. Carson Wentz probably has a stronger arm, is more accurate. All of those things are probably true but he doesn't have the mentality or the leadership skills that was always the knock on him in the locker room that he wasn't a strong leader and it goes to show you how much those intangibles really do matter in making a difference
0: yeah absolutely you know it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see this matchup i mean i think we'll probably see um you know on the and, uh, on the uh on the afc side right bengal's chiefs um I think that's a coin toss, bro. Like do you think there's any team either team with a with a clear advantage there?
1: I mean, the Mahomes injury having a high ankle sprain is definitely gonna slow down some of the things that the Chiefs do, especially his mobility outside of the pocket and his ability to do some of the Patrick Mahomes things. Mm -hmm. We're used to him seeing seeing him do. And I do think that overall Cincinnati has a stronger defense and then they have the X Factor and Joe Burrow, someone who's not scared to go up against Patrick Mahomes and, and go toe-to-toe with him. I actually think that the Bengals overall have a better team. It's just a matter of the Chiefs having the best coach in the NFL in Andy Reid, and you can never underestimate that because they they lost Tyreek Hill, and their offense didn't miss a beat. So it's not about personnel there. It's It's also about the system and the coach and and his ability to game plan uh, for any team and any team's defense. So it is a coin toss, but as an Ohio guy and as a a Joe Burrow fan, I'm, I'm going to pick, pick the Bengals in that one. Um, It is coin. you know?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think something interesting about, um, about this matchup in particular is that it's, it's two quarterbacks who are, Pretty much perfect in terms of how they play the game, and yeah. last time we saw the Bengals get to the Super Bowl, it was like not a Bengals team that was really ready to be there. They weren't constructed for it. It was an accident, really, in in uh, you know any sense that they had gotten there because they hadn't constructed the line for it. We saw Joe Burrow get sacked like nine times. I think it was his first year in the NFL, too. Right, first or second? Second, probably the f- yeah. Okay, so. Now he's got some more experience. He knows the game. He knows the flow of the NFL, understands what's going on. If there was a year for the Bengals to really be able to win it, I mean, and again, the Eagles are tough. I obviously have the Eagles over the Niners. Um, it's, I think this is the year for the Bengals to get there and take it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles are the better team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we—you made your pick. I think that's a, a toss-up as well. That Eagles, Eagles Niners game. Obviously, being in Philly um, makes a huge difference. But really, we have the four best teams in the NFL playing in the the conference finals, um, and so it, it is a toss-up. I've got the Eagles in that game as well, but it's going to be a close game that comes down to the wire. Um, the biggest thing is. Is going to be, um, you know, if which defense creates the most turnovers in that game. But don't be surprised if San Francisco punches their ticket in in an upset over the Eagles. I think that game is is just as much of a coin toss as this one. But then we get another coin toss in the Super Bowl with regardless whether it's KC and San Francisco. Any iteration of teams that go and this is what you want as a fan of a sport and why we watch sports. We don't want and. Uh, a super bowl that's not entertaining that's not competitive that's the worst you know everybody in america gets together they have these super bowl parties they and you turn on the game and soon enough the halftime show is all you're looking forward to that kind of spoils the fun of uh of super bowl sunday especially when you got to get back to get back up early and work the next morning (laughs) yeah
0: and it's the good thing is it's rihanna this year so it'll be a good show Yeah yeah, yeah it bring it.
1: yeah yeah, it will, it will definitely be a good show so but i'd yeah. like to watch i'd like to have a, a competitive game and we've been having competitive games and i think there's a lot to learn from the other sports leagues about how to create competitive balance within a league because i think some of the things that bore me about why i don't engage in the nba really till like the conference finals i'll watch when it's on like but i'm not engaged night to night yeah um um what's happening is because um the competitive balance just hasn't been there in baseball or the n b a um for many years it's it's baseball, it's just like the teams with the largest media markets can buy the best teams, yeah um And then, and then in in the NBA, it's
0: like, what team is LeBron on? And what team? Well, now LeBron's out of it. I would say also in the NFL, the biggest thing that the NFL has going for it is there's no Tom Brady in the narrative right now. Cause I think it's time, you know, it's time for the next generation of stars, it's time for the next generation of talent. Same in the NBA. Like Luka's the real deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm here for the Luka narrative. I'm here for, um, you know the uh the Anthony Edwards narrative but the LeBron narrative we've had it enough much respect to LeBron he's the goat to me i love watching him play but he doesn't need to be like the focal point of the news in basketball every single season
1: <laughs> yeah and it's also frustrating when he's the focal point of so much non basketball related news and yeah that's a good a good segue to this chaotic and a story there's kind of a lot of layers to this with shannon sharp kind of you know getting into a tussle um with the entire memphis grizzly basketball team during a game during a game because of his infatuation and love affair with lebron james like this bronze sexual comment is is so real like because people just on both sides the people that hate him And the people that love him are such, they're so (laughs) polarizing. And the Shannon Sharpe one stands out so much because this is a guy who is a hall of fame athlete himself, right? (laughs) Willing to go to toe. And and he's also in his fifties, willing to get into a fight, a physical fight over his love of LeBron James with, with the Memphis Grizzlies. And then, you know, it's just it's just such a funny narrative. And I really look at it and I say, was this all just another ploy by Shannon Sharp to keep himself in the headlines? Because, you know, these shows like First Take um and and this show that he's on, this is what they kind of trade on, right? Is conflict and controversy and and kind of this like gossipy narrative. I almost feel like it almost feels like it's staged because Shannon Sharp is no joke, but I don't know if he really would want it with Steven Adams. That guy seems like a little (laughs) like he has a little
0: crazy in him too. Steven (laughs) Adams is the guy I would not want to get on the wrong side of. (laughs) Period. Like, there's, he's definitely, he's definitely a different type of dude. Bro, like on top of all of the controversy stuff, remember Skip just had his controversy. I forgot what it was for a couple weeks back. It's like- Oh,
1: when he was like, he when he didn't even show sympathy to the Hamlin situation, when the guy was dying. And you know, his
0: his tweet wasn't really like, his tweet said, obviously this stuff I'm writing about doesn't matter now in the wake of this incident, right? And everyone got upset about it. But I think that these guys do this show every day, right? Shannon, after that, after that tweet was all like, Oh, I can't even, he didn't even go on the show the next day. If you remember yeah. this. And so it's just like, first of all, that's your coworker. Don't tell yeah. me that. Don't tell me you're not going to show up to work because you're so, so disgraced or disappointed with what they said. Like these guys manufacture drama. They live on it. They're like the, uh, the, the popular girls in high school in, in their role in society. Right. And so it's like, when when you see like the Shannon Sharp headline from from the game, it's just like, dude, like, get a life, bro. Like, do, <laughs> do something else with your time. Like, yeah. what? We're trying to watch the game, and you know you can't be sitting there shouting at them and then be like, oh, they don't want the smoke, they don't want to fight me. Yeah, because if they touched you, they'd get banned. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, they get kicked and, out the league.
1: And you know what's also frustrating about that is that if that was any other fan. Right, and they behaved like this, they would be getting jumped on, they would get thrown out of the game. They'd be banned. They'd be banned for life. And the fact that that didn't happen. And then you also, you know, it was disappointing to see kind of LeBron stoke the flames on his social media afterwards as well. There's just this narrative, especially, you know, he's it's, it's tough when you take athletes and they create their own media platforms as well, because he does have his media platform on Bleacher Report. He does have his his show. And I think they even tried to copy the Manning brothers and do a shop version on Amazon prime of an alternate broadcast. And I was like, I want to hear the Manning brothers talk about football. I don't want to hear LeBron James talk about football. You know what I mean? So it's almost like feeding this narrative and getting caught up in like all attention is good attention. I just have a lot of, a lot of renewed respect for people who just really go about their business and do what they do very well without crying so hard to create attention. When you're really good at what you do, and the thing is, LeBron is very, very good at what he does. So he gets more of a pass than I do because it doesn't take away from his work. But <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Sharp, it's like, dude, you have a legacy as one of the greatest tight ends in, in football. And you're just like becoming this caricature of a human being just so that you can stay relevant, stay in the headlines. And it's like, you don't even need to do all of that. And it's like his follower count on social media probably did go up. So it's not just him, but we also create or creating the environment where this type of behavior, we like get excited. The memes come out, more people follow Shannon, people feed into it, but it's like, that's not why i watch basketball and i'd hope that's not the reason why other it's not wwe if that's what you want then go watch the wwe if that's what you like that's a way more entertaining and better better choreographed uh (laughs) sport for that type of behavior than the nba is
0: i do think sports are going in like much further in that direction than they have in the past you know I, i feel like when I watch basketball, the thing that's made it really tough to to watch this season is that the skill level offensively is just too good at this point. Guys can yeah. literally shoot from anywhere they want to. So it's just like, what am I watching for? Defense doesn't mean anything. I'm just watching to see where they're gonna score from. And guys who shoot nine threes in a night are winning the game for their team. It's just not like not in the same way the strategic chess match it was during You know, the Heat Spurs series or the Cavs Warriors series where every adjustment mattered. And I'm with you. Like you said earlier, you wait till, you know, deep in the playoffs to tune in. It's not till like the playoffs begin and really even like I watch All Star Weekend and then I wait for the playoffs because the rest of it is completely meaningless. Like I'll go watch a game. I'm going to go to a Lakers game actually tomorrow. I'm going to go see a regular season game. That's fun. It's fun to do, but I'm not going because. It's like, oh, this is gonna be super competitive basketball. I'm going because hey, it'll be cool to see LeBron, you know, before he he and breaks I, his yeah. record. Right? Yep.
1: Yeah. And you don't know how many times you're gonna how many opportunities you're gonna get to continue to see him
0: see that's him exactly, play the yeah. game.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and I think you know, it's kind of frustrating because that's the 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 changes that the NBA has made, right? As to make it more entertaining has really you know, made it very hard to be competitive defensively. Um, you know, uh, and the question then becomes, you know, what is the value of all these these scorers that can score? Like you're seeing guys put up 40, 50 almost every other night. You know, there, it, it is having an effect. You are losing your core audience of hardcore basketball fans. I'm a hardcore, I actually was more of a basketball fan than I was a football fan. Growing up, I now am much more of a football fan than I am a basketball fan. And it's because it's not as competitive anymore. It's fine. Like it's cool to see some of these performances, but until I see a competitive game where I see people really trying on defense, then that's when I I tune in. And if you look at who typically wins the NBA championship, it always comes down to the team that's like in the top three in the defensive category. It's never the team. With the best offense, you know, it's sometimes like with the Warriors, it's a combination of both. Um, But, you know, I would really like to see the NBA say, "Okay, we might have overcorrected here for entertainment value and highlight value and say maybe we should emphasize defense because it also has like a a down channel effect because these kids aren't developing their defensive skills in the other parts of the game as much as they did because they just don't have to um, as much anymore.
0: Yeah. And you saw Austin Rivers comments last week about uh, the mixtapes and stuff. He was, you know, again, like part of this definitely came from ego from him because he, he was one of the few people with the mixtape. So he takes a lot of pride in it. He's talking about how parents pay like ball life or whomever to come in and actually make a mixtape. I think yep. that that's where you've lost the point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not about being the flashy kid. It, it's just not. It's about being really great at doing exactly what you feel like you're there to do on the court. And the entire incentive system around everything we do in society is how cool does it look, not what is the actual value of it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and Michael Jordan had a very interesting interview about this, you know, um, and, you know, there, he's the crux of a lot of this kind of narrative between the two cultures of basketball. Um, the transition from the Jordan era to the LeBron era, et cetera. And he said something very interesting. He was like, you know, in, in our era, your endorsements, everything came as a byproduct of your achievements on the court. You had to be one of the top five NBA players and earn it before, you know, his original Nike contract was very, very minimal. But he said, all, everyone looks at me as kind of like the endorsement king. But I got that as a result of being the best at what I do, not because I was the flashiest high school player who, was, who had the best social media personality. It was because I was really good at the game of basketball. And I think that is like the first step in development of a society is encouraging people to really be good at what they do, to do the work, to develop their skills, and understand that all the other stuff... Will come as a byproduct and will be much more fulfillment, fulfilling as well. Because I've seen like one of the examples at Ohio State, everyone knows about is, is Tate Martell, one of the most hyped high school basketball players ever. You know, but he bought into that fame and didn't necessarily do the work and felt this level of entitlement that he deserved certain things. And he got to Ohio State couldn't earn the job there, transferred to Miami, couldn't earn the job there, transferred again, couldn't earn the job there, and now he he has 500, you know, I don't know how many followers, he's got more followers than probably 90% of people on Instagram, but for what?
0: Yeah, yeah, for those couple brand deals, man, and that's what makes the world go around. (laughs)
1: Yeah, not to mention the probably the psychological impact that it's having on him. And another ga- example is Johnny Manziel. An even bigger example is he took the fame that he got from being a super freshman and has been downhill since then. And there is an impact that it has when you are no longer being recognized for what you do and what made you famous, but you're being recognized for all the, the wrong reasons versus the flip of that. If you focus on being really, really good at what you do and being the one of the best, then even when people criticize you, like LeBron is the, the best example of that, is like there are still a lot of critics that that say, "Oh, he's too focused off the court," but he has four championship rings. You know what I mean? And so you you that narrative doesn't doesn't hold water. Could he have seven or eight? Maybe he could. But he understands kind of kind of the balance of I had to be great at basketball first. Um, obviously Nike gave him that huge deal right out of it. But his empire that he's built has specifically been built because people talk to him because he's the best at what he does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And in this era, it's not about actual skill level. It's about the eyeballs you have on you. Which is yeah. why like a lot of a lot of people getting these deals are not the athletes who are great at the sport, they're the influencers who make the sport accessible for youth. And you can make an argument that that is where the value is. um, And that's what, that's the value that should be compensated is getting more people to access the sport. Uh, So from an economic standpoint, it's like, you can't even really argue with it, but it's just, I think from a, from a, you know, purist standpoint, it's like tough. It's tough to watch a sport just, you know, get diluted
1: and it's very tough too because the thing is there the, the data is showing a declining interest in basketball culture overall um, if you look at the sneakers you know basketball sneakers were like the leading leading product from both a lifestyle and basketball standpoint and that's shifting rapidly nike is dealing with this challenge where you know these signature shoes are are are, are moving they're still relying on the jordan brand of sneaker but it's shifting, you know. I used to wear basketball shoes. People used to wear basketball shoes when they went to went out you know in social environments. It seems like that that's declining as well, and that goes to show you that you know kind of over marketing and trying too hard to be entertaining and losing what actually makes your sport what it is actually can have a negative impact on your marketing and brand, branding power as well,
0: yeah, I agree. I think there's the sneakerhead culture that exists, and I think outside of that, the mainstream, the mainstream buyer, it's it's kind of like a re, rehash of the '90s in a sense. It's like people are going back to tennis shoes. People are going back. Yeah. To pickleball is a thing, right? Tennis is a thing. Yeah. Like golf is a thing now, like in a huge way, more than it was pre-pandemic. So we're. I, I it feels very much like during my childhood, the types of things that I would go look for and wear and buy. It's like actually the exact same style that I'm looking for now. So I definitely feel like we're in this interesting era. I think it'll be a a very soccer forward era as well. Um, Especially in the U S compared to how we've had it previously.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a shift and, you know, hopefully the leagues make the adjustment because at its core, the NBA is a great sport. The sport of basketball is a great sport. Um, And and like you said, there are some unbelievable players and stars in the league. Um, it's just it would just be helpful to for them to figure out how to make it more competitive and entertaining um, overall. Because even before this era, like the same three teams, you knew were going to you knew there are only three good teams in the NBA. Yep. You know, so we'll see. And I, and I don't I don't know. Maybe the younger audience enjoys these games. Um, and and we are a future league where everyone just digests the NBA in these thirty second, sixty second highlights of the best the best moments in every game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think, uh, think that's as uh, good a stopping point as any on this conversation. We got, uh, some more games coming up this weekend, right? Or is, is there a break?
1: Yeah, we have, uh, we have this weekend's NFC, AFC championship games, um, uh, two really, really good games. Um, and we are starting to move into February. Um, March March Madness around the corner, uh, as well. Um, so it's going to be a sad end. The football season is coming to an end soon, which is sad. But you know we'll have we'll continue to have things to talk about because of the Shannon Sharps of the world. I'm, I have no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, uh, let's to our audience. Uh, remember to stay moving and then? be you. You is fly. How boys. Are Ballet boys, we get on up We don't fly, boys, we get up So high So high Ballet boys, we